Hey everybody, this is Pete here, and what you're about to listen to is our bonus Oscar special for 2021. We'll be joined by our good friend Josh Clement, who was our guest for last year's Oscar special, and we'll be talking about the Oscar-nominated movies from the year 2020. Now keep in mind, this is a bonus episode, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other free platforms, you'll only be getting about half the conversation. The full episode will be over on our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. We'll be making the episode available for all tiers of our Patreon members, so there's a plus there. But the episode you're listening to now, we'll talk about the Oscar-nominated movies from 2020, our predictions on who's going to win, who we want to win, what we think might happen at this wacko ceremony that's going on. But the full episode on Patreon will be a lot longer and feature a lot more of our sparkling conversation. So once you're done listening here, head over to Patreon.com and take a look at some of the tiers that we have to offer and all the bonus content that comes included. We're talking monthly newsletter, behind-the-scenes images, monthly bonus commentary track, exclusive to Patreon subscribers, and so much more. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and take a listen to our Oscar picks for 2021. I mean, you guys are our Oscar. We're experts, just like man. big old Oscar nerds. I think that we text twelve months out of the year about about Oscars, Oscars, <laughs> which is like pretty next level. And half the time we're dishing like in seriousness, and the other half we're like, "This is meaningless. This is silly. Yeah. Um, none of this makes sense." <laughs> it's fun to track it though, but that's it's a game. And yeah, and that's yeah. the thing that you really like nailed is that you really can't take any of it that serious. Like the Oscars are not really something that you should get too wound up about, especially when nominations come out and you see like one of your favorite performances have left. I think that it was. Joe Reed on this had Oscar buzz, buzz described the Oscars like your disapproving parent. Okay, yeah. so we could we should probably talk a little bit about the ceremony. So this ceremony is being produced by Steven Soderbergh, which is very interesting because when you look at Steven Soderbergh's Oscar history, I mean he got those two nominations for Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. He won for Traffic, but everything post Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. Steven Soderbergh really does not care about the Oscars. Like, he's never really had a movie of that level that they've really pushed for Oscar attention. So it's just so right. it's just so interesting that he's producing this ceremony. But also the kicker this year, we're at a trade station. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be two we're locations, at- Union Station and the Dolby Theater, which I'm curious to see how they're going to do that. Right. So something makes me think, you know, Steven Soderbergh's recent style of being not not full on experimental, but, you know, more interested in kind of the quirky or even like, you know, let them all talk this year. You know, I'm going to go on a cruise ship and I'll set my movie there. Yeah. This feels like I'll give a shot at the Oscars because, you know what, it's going to be different. It's going to be weird. I've always wanted the direct live TV. So he yes. just is up for that challenge. But we always have that weird thing where they talk, start talking about the ceremony and they keep in recent, you know, uh, things this month. They keep referring it to as, it's going to be shot like a film. Right. Which I don't uh, know what that means. <laughs> what? Because it's still an award show when it comes down to it. Right. So what does that mean? Yeah. At least, but, uh, I, I was, I was going to say, at least this year, I'm not really seeing the conversation of a host and also ratings, which, because I feel like that's just one of those things that 
the Oscar producers in ABC just have to resign to that award shows are just not a big deal anymore with young people. Like, young people will maybe watch a clip of it on YouTube, but they will not sit down and watch the entire thing. It's it's becoming very niche. And, mm-hmm. you know, not to say there aren't, you know, the film Twitter and message boards that are still thriving and, you know, Gold Derby and everything. It, but, you know, I talk to people, my, my sister who's, you know, five and a half years younger than me and there's very little interest mm-hmm. in the show yeah. you know they'll still see movies you know after the fact they'll rent them you know you have all your streaming i i think kids uh, there's very little interest in this these kind of shows i think it will become niche and perhaps streaming you know and it's like oscars are probably pulling in decent numbers but they're not numbers like what you saw in the 80s or in 98 when Titanic was nominated. So it's just one of those things that they just have to resign themselves to, this is going to be a niche thing and we have to work with the audience that we have. Right. The, the big blockbuster, you know, we don't have that anymore. Whether it comes back, I'm not looking at you, Avatar 2. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, that's going to be the movie that, like, saves movie going. I'm sure. Make or break. <laughs> What is the release date for Avatar 2? 2022. I believe that that first release date was 2019 or 2020 of when they first announced Avatar 2. And it yeah. just keep getting pushed. And I would imagine with the weird pandemic year, Jim Cameron is taking his sweet time editing that movie. Don't, don't hold it to it. Mm-hmm. I won't, I won't <laughs> count your chickens. <laughs> Man, it would have been bizarre if Avatar would have won Best Picture over The Hurt Locker. I would have been curious to see what the legacy of that win would have been like would just the avatar backlash would have started sooner i wonder just what kind of reputation that best picture win would have had if it would have won and just the personal conversation there was so much talk about exes being up against each other mm-hmm. with oh, big about that. Which in the grand <laughs> scheme of things i don't think either of them really cared no right no mm-hmm. <laughs> They were good. Of course, yeah. we're talking about Catherine Bigelow when she won for The Hurt Locker. They were both nominated in Best Director with each other. But I think it'll be interesting, you know, with the, the Soderbergh producing of it all. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, are we going to have an opening on a train all fancy? You know, he's also worked with a lot of people. I was thinking back mm-hmm. to, like, even Viola being in the conversation. You know, he did, you know, Out of Sight and Solaris and yeah, a I was bunch gonna of say, things with her. V- Viola, probably one of the first things I ever saw her in was Solaris. Yeah. So it has a long history with some of these nominees, of course. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. You know, shot like a film. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Okay, so we'll go through some of the nominees now. Let's start in Best Actress. And what a very unique year this is for Best Actress. Of course, the nominees are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Andra Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand from Nomadland and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. This is a very unique year because every major precursor has gone to someone different, which I cannot think of a year that that's ever been the case. Right. I mean, yeah, Globe Day, Critics' Choice, Carrie, SAG um, was Viola and BAFTA today was um, Frances. I I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be nail-biter. I kind of thought... Vanessa Kirby was going to win the BAFTA. In a normal year, the BAFTA is the one that you really look out for of who's probably going to show up. It happened with Tilda Swinton for Michael Clayton. It happened with Olivia Coleman. That 
typically is the award that you should really watch out for because generally that might be for a close year of who wins it but maybe not this year because the BAFTA nominees were so weird because they selected them with a jury that only two of them matched up right yeah and Carrie not even being there or Viola um which is pretty shocking you know Andrew yeah I uh it's it's truly gonna be just to pick anyone I I, I'm gonna go with Carrie of who I think will win but I don't know how deep that Viola support could go. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I, I agree with you. I think my pick is Carrie Mulligan, who's going to win. Um, but I also think Andra Day does have a big vocal fan base, too. So yes. I'd imagine that those three actresses, Carrie, Andra, and Viola, are very, very close. Yeah, the the Andrea story is really interesting because apparently Lee Daniels didn't even want to meet with her initially. And it wasn't until he kind of sat down with her and, you know, it all kind of connected. But to me, you know, feelings of the movie aside, which I think is a bit wandering and messy, to show up in your first film role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like kind of what you were saying. Where's your Holocaust movie? Where's your ticking the boxes? But, you know. We're gonna. You're gonna sing. You're gonna do all the own sing. Your yeah. own singing because you are a singer. You're gonna. You know, have sex scenes and get naked. You're gonna do the voice. You know, it's like yeah. you're just gonna become her. Yeah, um, it's a lot. Uh, and she, but she did so well. And yeah, just, she's really good. It, it's just dis- It's almost disappointing because I wanted the movie to be so much better than mm-hmm. it was. Does her performance carry it? Does it make? seeing the movie you know worth it overall yeah because you know you should see what she's doing and what she's bringing to this to this role because it is pretty amazing like you said for her first you know film but um the movie itself do i want to watch it again probably not <laughs> you know maybe select scenes of her singing lee daniels tends you to weren't be... you weren't a... oh, the leslie jordan you didn't you didn't freak out the first, <laughs> it's the first thing you see. Oh wig, my wig. god, wig! I was just like, "Is this a Ryan Murphy movie? What is going on here?" I see a terrible wig in Leslie Jordan. Lee Daniels tends to be very hit and miss with me. That I think he's kind of a hack. <laughs> Moving on, so that's a miss. <laughs> uh, kind of best actor, Chadwick Boseman kind of has this category locked up for Ma Rainey's. Black Bottom. Other nominees, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, loved that movie and that performance. Anthony Hopkins with The Father. We've talked a little bit about that. Gary Oldman and Mank and Stephen Young for Minari. Very strong Best Actress here, or Best Actor year, and I feel like Best Actor is usually a bore. I agree. Very strong. I mean, I think with with Hopkins, Ahmed, and Bozeman, you can really kind of walk away and and, may, and maybe say these are probably career best performances. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which how often can we really say that? I think my personal vote um, would probably be Riz, although I think Hopkins is you know just extremely impressive using all the the, the tools in the bag. <laughs> um, Chadwick, um, I don't think it's it's a it's a win because he's not with us. I. I I think it's great work. I, I think there's something very primal that audiences may connect with at the end of that movie because it's somebody literally screaming at God, why? Yeah. And to know that he knew his time here was limited, I think makes it very heart wrenching in that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, really impressive, but you know, 
this category. Has Riz Ahmed picked up any awards along the way so far, or have they all gone to Chadwick and Anthony Hopkins? Well, they haven't done the film, the Independent Film Spirit Awards. I have a feeling he's probably going to win that. Yes, Hopkins picked up the BAFTA in the weird in this weird year today, but um, um <laughs> that's a very bad win. It's been a, yeah. yeah, otherwise it's been it's all been all Chadwick, but um. Oh. Yeah, sad, you know. So I think uh, Chadwick is going to win. But my personal pick of the category is Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed. So great. Yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, also very unique this year because every single precursor was a different five. Right. Um, I, and I think there was a lot of question when Amanda Seyfried missed the SAG. Mm-hmm. If she was going to come back or be replaced by a by a... A last-minute Jodie Foster yes. in the Mauritanian, which was another benefiting from the late re- release, but it didn't add up to any nominations. Also, Jodie Foster, uh, kind of from what I've read, I have not seen the movie. It was sort of a lead performance that they put in supporting. It's got a lot of screen time. I have seen it. Um, but it's it, – Tahar Rahim definitely dominates, but she's in she's in a ton of it. Um, Jodie Foster my, was the surprise when at the Globes. Everyone was kind of – right. Shocked at that. It was a very cute moment with Jody and her wife when she was accepting it in like her pajamas and her dogs. Very sweet moment. Yeah, very sweet. Um, I do think it's going to come down to um, Bakalova and uh, Yujung Yoon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I think uh, Yujung could could take it. I think she's she's my personal favorite, mm-hmm. um, and I think she will win. Uh, Glenn, you know, this ain't it, girl. No. I mean, uh, <laughs> if it is, I mean, wow. I, I mean, mean, we all love no. Glenn, and we'll all cry if Glenn wins just because, <laughs> I mean, we we have a heart, so we love Glenn Close. But I kind of want her to have that Susan Lucci legacy, though. Right. Yeah, it'll be, like, down way down the line. You know, it should be... <laughs> Her late eighties, Maria. Or I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maria Bakalova is the only one that got all of the major precursors too, which is very interesting. Because if you were to, in a normal a... year, you would not have pegged that performance to get all of those nominations. But I mean, she walks away with that movie. It's just like it's sort of like she steals it. She's so good in it. So good. It's risky. It's a. It's a bit of a deception too because. It's made to look like just real life, almost improv, but the script is, you know, written by nine writers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, to hit all these different beats and the, all the giant emotional arc she has to go through uh, dealing with real life people and uh, Sasha, um, it, it's impressive. And by the yeah. end of it, you're very moved by her story that she kind of has this full circle of that she's becoming an independent woman. And it's also, it's just, a, it's a story about fathers and daughters too. Yeah. Ultimately in the end, it kind of, it kind of transcends the hot button, you know, politics and, you know, her, her Giuliani moment, you know, it kind of, it, yeah. it does for such a, you know, kind of gross out comedy at points. It turns into something more real. She could be the, um, the surprise upset for sweet South Korean grandma in a performance that I loved. It would be very, deserving if she won a little marissa tomei ish mm-hmm. <laughs> well i mean i feel like the marissa tomei of the category is probably amanda seyfried a performance that was number one in the predictions a few months ago but now has since gone to like number four or number five 
I think that Amanda is really good in the movie, and that's a very respectable nomination. Yes. Fincher's always a weird one. I'm a huge fan, but he always strikes it cold with people. And, you know, I, I, I think he's such, you know, so precise, everything. I revisited Mank, um, which was a worthy revisit because once I realized it wasn't about the making of Citizen Kane, yeah. once I realized it was about, like, <laughs> the studio system of the time and the politics of the time, it was a really enjoyable watch. Um, mm-hmm. And Amanda was great. But uh, there's something about Fincher I, I don't, you know, he just, he, he strikes it cold with people. And it's, I think it's just because it's so, it's it's great, but it's calculated and there's not, you know, a giant, you know, emotional outpouring in his movies. And Fincher is one, too, that really doesn't care about Oscar. Like, he'll show up if he's nominated for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but, like, he's not making movies to win Oscars. That's just not really David Fincher's gig. Yeah. I mean, I saw him everywhere this season, but I think that benefited from being able to just sit on zoom yes and, and do all i mean he did he was out there for everything mm-hmm. um but you can you know be in your house in your pajamas <laughs> <laughs> so best supporting actor sasha baron cohen for trial of the chicago seven a movie that i have been meaning to get to and just <laughs> not i just haven't pressed play on netflix yet uh judas and the black messiah i just missed on hbo max so i did not see that daniel kalua and uh, Lakeith Stanfield, the surprise nomination of that morning, because from what everything I've read, he is the lead of the movie, and they voters really didn't know where to put him. Who is the lead? Lakeith. Lakeith is yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a quiet, complicated lead, which is always uh, a weird thing with actors. They don't know what to do with the quiet lead. Sure. And I and I guess it's a thing with the Oscar ballot where, I, well, I've been told their names and lines. So this is why you have a Keisha Castle Hughes or a Kate Winslet situation mm-hmm. where they flip where they're campaigned because voters just put them where they want. Yeah. And so he strangely got more votes in supporting. Oh, okay. wonder whose spot he took in supporting. It was, may have been Alan Kim from Minari. Yeah, that's, that's very likely mm-hmm. given the love for Minari. Such a... He was such a cute boy. He was very cute in that movie. <laughs> what did he? What, what award did he win recently? He, that he was won the Critics' Choice for uh, Young Actor. Okay. Yeah, crying on the camera. It yeah, was adorable. that's the that's that's what I was thinking of. Uh, Paul Rancy for Sound of Metal. He's really good in that movie, and this is kind of one of those actors that really rode the word of mouth buzz. That this was a small movie. It probably couldn't. Uh, really campaign him in the way that studios normally do. He won. He got that nomination because actors just really liked him in that movie, and it was just a very word of mouth performance. I love to see that happen. The true supporting, a tr- basically mm-hmm. the only one in the category that's truly supporting. Sure. And Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, a movie that was predicted for the major categories but did not get a lot of nominations. Yeah, I think they're probably looking at a song. If uh, if if we're gonna speaking of denying the long term oh, yeah. losers, we have to have it, that it, Diane Warren conversation. <laughs> there it is. You know, I think Leslie could stand to win there against her, unless the feelings behind Diane are so strong that voters feel like you know she can't wait anymore. Right. <laughs> Um, Daniel Kalu is probably going to win for Judas and the Black Messiah. I really need to watch this movie. It's kind of a bummer that they took it off HBO. It was just kind of bad luck that 
on nomination morning, that is when it went off of HBO Max. But I need to yeah. track that down. It's probably going to be available for a cheaper rent, a cheaper rental soon, probably right after the ceremony. Yeah, it's a powerful performance. Um, it's absolutely nothing like you know who Daniel Kaluuya is. You know, it's just comp- so far removed. Um, Daniel Kaluuya plays Sinister really well, as I remember from Widows. Yeah. Don't so want to mess with him. He's very versatile. Great, great actor. So he's probably going to win. I'd be very happy with the win, actually, here. Winning on a second nomination, that makes total sense. Kind of any other below-the-line categories that we want to talk about. Um, it would be nice to see Emerald Fennel win for original screenplay. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, her first uh, directorial uh, film and, you know, riding off of being a, a wicked Camilla on the crown. She's had a year. <laughs> She's very charming in interviews. We just watched all of Promising Young Woman with the commentary. Oh, nice. Um, it's going to be kind of a dud win if Aaron Sorkin does win it for Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah. I think it'll be underwhelming if he wins. I- I'm good with his social network win. I, I would love mm-hmm. to see him take it. He already sure. has one. He doesn't need another one. Best Adapted Screenplay, I feel like it's probably going to be Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And Chloe Zhao probably is going to walk away with Best Director. Yes. and if it Rightfully takes, so. Yeah, and if it takes the whole shebang, you know, she walks away with three Oscars and trotting off to a, a Marvel movie. Yeah. That's um, such an interesting choice that that's her, that's her follow-up movie. It's been done for a while, right? Uh, it was supposed Jolie. to be out, I think, in February, and then they moved it. Uh, Chloe Zhao uh, is directing The Eternals. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that is wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, uh, Chloe Zhao does this thing where she casts regular people who kind of are in the world of her movie and casts them in the movie. So... Um, she didn't get that. <laughs> so look out for some real life superheroes in uh, yeah. <laughs> the Eternals, real life uh, ancient aliens, who were some <laughs> of um, Francis McDormand's friends in in Nomadland. The names of the Sw- characters, Swanky. I, I want to see Swanky show up in <laughs> in the Eternals. I want to see her in a Marvel movie. <laughs> Spot the non actor. <laughs> Loved Swanky. <laughs> Very cute. Yeah, it'll be so interesting to see what she does with that for sure. So y- you were. Talking briefly about original song, and Leslie Odom Jr. is nominated for that song, Speak Now, from One Night in, in Miami, music and lyric by Sam Ashworth and Leslie Odom Jr. Very so interesting. It's also a weird original song year that there was no big yeah. songs. Um, this Diane Warren song is from The Life Ahead. Yes, this is the Sophia Loren Netflix movie. <laughs> it's very random. Um, in Italian, uh, the first, you know, first track on the credits song. Um, you know, it's, I just don't remember it. You know, speak now has a, has a big place at the end of one night in Miami right. as the film closes. So I, I just don't know. Yeah. You know, Diane may have to keep waiting like Glenn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. Like if you, if I was, you know, on Jeopardy or any, if the question was like, how many Oscars does Diane Warren have? I'd be like seven. 12. <laughs> I don't know. A lot probably like you, I just kind of assume that she, you know, like a, uh, you know, um, composers. Like I just assume, like a John Williams or something. She just has like shelves full of of Academy Awards. Her nominations. Nothing's going to stop us now from Mannequin I because mean. you loved me. How do I live? I don't want to miss a thing. These are all 
classics. The song from Pearl Harbor, which is like the big ripoff of Titanic. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like the one that she probably should have won for maybe How Do I Live or I Don't Want to Miss a Thing just because those songs were such huge moments in pop culture. Yeah. Iconic. I remember that Summer of Armageddon. I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't turn the radio without that. Oh thing my goodness! Yeah, maybe tw- two or three times it would play in the hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and a band oh. like Aerosmith, like picking up like a Diane Warren song and making it work, and it sounds like an Aerosmith song. So crazy! And yeah, the song from Mannequin. Oh my goodness! She's great. I mean, she, if she doesn't win, she's going to keep chugging away like nobody's business. I think she yeah. had three songs in the conversation just this year. Oh mm-hmm. wow. Um, I hope it happens for you, Diane. Yeah, definitely. We love you, Diane Warren. <laughs> um, costume, I think, is probably going to go to Anne Roth for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But the costumes in Emma were very beautiful, though. Yes. Anne Roth is a legend. Yeah. <laughs> she. Uh, who is her big actresses that she works? She works a lot with Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep. Yes. I think that she's sort of the go-to costumer. There was a Pinocchio movie this year? Yeah, it was a Roberto <laughs> Benini Pinocchio movie that somehow got, like, two nominations. And not just that, Pete. We're going to have three Pinocchios in three years. Because the Guillermo del Toro one is for this year for Netflix Stop Motion, I believe. Uh-huh. And then the live-action Tom Hanks one oh, is geez. filming right now. Oh, for the love. What, is the Tom Hanks one, is that the one that Robert Downey Jr.? Was pushing to get made with it's, Disney. It's the Disney, yeah. Yeah, I think that Robert movie. Downey Jr. sort of had a stake in that project for years. Ah, yeah. This is this is Zemeckis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Because uh, when I picture Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I love, I picture Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> of course, yes. Uh, Roberto Benigni making two Pinocchio movies. Yes. He what had that, that weird Miramax Pinocchio movie around 2002. Uh, oh, my goodness. This one is apparently just as freaky, but was received a lot better. Okay. I th- I feel like the 2002. I think they did it on How Did This Get Made. It's got some wild CGI in it. It is. Yeah, it's I pretty think they crazy. did the JTT one. On oh, was it the JTT one? Same thing. Oh my god, the JTT one. <laughs> <laughs> when when you said Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I almost was thinking in my head Jonathan Taylor Thomas is going to be in the. Zemeckis. <laughs> <laughs> it's his Pinocchio, return. His tr- triumphant return to the property. Wow. So that about does it with kind of all of the main categories. Did, so, you, did you do Best Picture? Uh, oh, do Best Picture, too. So nominees, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. I feel like it's probably going to be Nomadland from just it's, how I've been seeing how it's shaken down this award season. Everything. I think anything else is an upset. Um, it, it was a weird thing, like you were talking about with Amanda, that, you know, on paper, you know, in the summer or, you know, or even earlier, mm-hmm. you know, it was Mank, Mank, Mank. Everyone assumed Mank was going to win. Cool, yep. Yeah. Once that went cool, it was Nomadland all the way. I, I think anything else is a surprise. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Mank will probably just win Best Production Design and that's it. Yep. Classic Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trajectory. Yeah. Yes. I mean, at least Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had Brad Pitt. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, I really loved Nomadland. I like Chloe Zhao. She seems like, from everything I've seen of her, like, you know, at the Globes and, you know, all these wins, she just seems like, 
like cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She just seems yeah. like a real ass person that she's just like, this is how, this is how these are the movies I want to make. These are the stories I want to tell. This is how I'm going to do it. Talking about, you know, working with Frances McDormand. She just seems fucking cool and, you know, and fully deserving. Um, do we think, does Minari have any kind of like legs to stand on for best picture? I mean, I think Minari is going to linger one through three in those voting slots. Uh, we talked about how they rank Best Picture winners last year. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to go to that episode, we go into it into more depth of when you want to win the category in a professional? What do they call the ballot? It's um, a preferred... A scantron? Uh, a preferential ballot? A preferential ballot. <laughs> That's it. So, okay, I so think, say it again. Say preferential... In a preferential ballot, I think that Minari is going to linger in the one through three spots what you want in something like that. You don't want to be too polarizing, as you said last year. I, th- I think it's lingering, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it could be the crazy upset. Um, yeah, I, I, could, I could see it but right there. Also, for upset, it's not like it's a major studio movie competing with a small independent movie. They're both independent movies. Like, they're both small movies, too. Right. So it's not like a La La Land and Moonlight situation. Right. Or the Hurtlocker versus Avatar. Right. Yeah, smaller studios. And here we are. Searchlight turned Hulu. Best picture winner, yeah. potentially. No Do you think Netflix is just so pissed about that? That Netflix has had their eye on best picture for years, since like 2015, and Hulu just comes out of the gate, gets Nomadland, and wins the best picture. Just the snatch, yeah. Mm-hmm. They they got they got close for Roma, and they're ready now. They're gonna have plenty to come this year, I'm sure. Yeah. So for next year, West Side Story, <laughs> two Ridley uh, Scotts, two Ridley Scotts, one that was supposed to come out in 2020. Uh, that yeah. that. Like the Duelist, what, what is it? No, the Duelist is his debut. It's the last movie. duel. The last duel, the last duel yeah. with Matt Damon, a movie that's written by um, uh, Nicole Nicole Hofcenter, which is so weird. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes down with the, with the female writer because it involves um, a, a rape and a, the duel over <laughs> basically the what happened out of that. Um, and isn't what's her name from? Uh, that Amazon show. Who's what's her name? Oh, that oh, oh Jodie Comer is. Oh, Jodie Comer yeah. from uh, Killing Eve. Yes, that will be interesting. Uh, we obviously, like you mentioned, our Spielberg delay. The West. There's uh, the West Side Story. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Yeah, I think he's aiming for Can Take Two. What, that's, is, that's, what is the Wes Anderson movie? Uh, that is. I'm not familiar French with Dispatch. that at all. The French Dispatch. Uh, okay. Yeah, and so that was supposed to come out in July of 2020. Yep. We got a new David O. Russell, Adam McKay, your girl Kiki Dunst is with Jane Campion. That That's could be right. Hot. Mm-hmm. Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Del Toro. Yeah. Um, another Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, I think that's what's going to be interesting is another another uh, Joel Cohen one with Francis and Denzel. It'll be interesting to see, you know, are we really going to how, – how are we going to cram – and, you know, are we going to have another, you know, small extension with people going back to the movies or what are we, you know, what's going to happen with the cramming here? Um, yeah. Because so much was held. Mm-hmm. 
I still don't think um, Dune is going to be an awards contender. It will get technical nominations, but I don't think you're going to be seeing that show up in Best Picture or Best Director. Right. Um, the the musical theater kid in me, of course, is uh, anxious that there are five musicals coming out now because oh, of wow. various delays. Uh, uh, Wes, I already mentioned uh, Dear Evan Hansen, In the Heights. Right. I think there's a lot riding on that in June. It would be nice for some Latinx representation. Yeah. Uh, Tick, Tick, Boom uh, with Andrew Garfield is uh, Lin-Manuel's directorial debut. And, uh-huh. uh, of course, uh, The Held and not, no release date yet. Uh, everybody's talking about Jamie with some queer representation in there. So I'm shocked that they held that, that they didn't put that in February. Drop it on Hulu. Was that uh, – that was on BAFTA, right? That qualified for BAFTA, I think. There was talk of that, but it, yeah, Fox has Hulu, right? So it's like, just drop it, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We saw a trailer for, I believe the theatrical title is just The Heights, right? Oh. I think they dropped the in the oh. for the theatrical. I think. I could be totally wrong. But we saw another trailer for that, and that was another one where I was just like, I feel like I saw the first trailer for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was You did. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that, the Saw uh, reboot that I just feel like we've been watching those trailers for a good. The Saw reboot, I feel like I forgot about what I'm waiting for, and I'm gonna like, I don't know what I'm gonna do if I don't see this damn movie soon. Is freaking Candyman? Yeah. Yes. Justice for Candyman. Come on. (laughs) And they have some returning cast members. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah, I think I think so. yeah, I, just, I can't wait. I mean, we even watched like Candyman to get prepped mm-hmm. for it, like all stoked. Now we're we, going to have to revisit it again. We didn't watch Farewell to the Flesh because I hear that Candyman 2 is like not great um, or it kind of is like a soft reboot or whatever. But, you know, I think the first one is kind of like where it's at. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're still waiting on that one, man. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing because, you know, we're in this weird space where people are returning to the theaters, but at the same time, we're still getting the weekly, like, pushing off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, Tom Cruise was supposed to be our big, you know, July 4th return, and now uh, Top Gun has moved to the fall, and they've moved Mission 7 to next year. So, well, I guess we'll see how it all goes down. Black Widow moved to July. That, I believe, was still May. Oh, okay. So, kind of Cruella late May is kind of the big thing i guess for now <laughs> yeah seems like it i'm on board with corella i don't care what the new trailer say. looks fun <laughs> now those costumes amazing right? are, are those 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 aren't Anne roth are they no <laughs> no there's somebody big i like that it's set in london in the 70s though right yeah yes emma thompson cool. serving looks yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah totally well i think that just about wraps it up Yes, I'm glad that we got. Year. I'm glad that we got to do our Oscar episode. I am too. It's uh, it's been weird, but um, there's some light there at the end of the tunnel. A lot of things to get excited about coming, and I can just only hope for not so many delays. And I mean, yes. I love an Oscar year where category the main categories are up in the air, and no one knows for sure who's going to win. I love that shit, and you don't see it a lot. It's usually the same person that just ends up steamrolling most of the season. Right. It's nice we'll be on the edge of our seat, especially in the actress, supporting actress categories. We're going to be – it's it truly, I don't know, until the envelope. Yeah, so. it's making it a little bit more fun mm-hmm. going into going into the night to watch. Just be like, okay, what's it going to be? Yeah. Interesting. 
Well, thank you so much, Josh. We'll thank have you, you back on to talk about a movie sometime soon. Yes. Yeah, you 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 can come back on do a full episode, do a mm-hmm. full deep dive into into something fun, into another movie that made us gay. But um, until then, uh, it's time to say goodbye and uh, thanks everybody for listening. This was so much fun. Thanks for tuning into the bonus Oscar episode. For tuning in. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye, bye, Josh. Bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the bonus Oscar episode, everybody. I hope you had fun. Now head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay for the full Oscar experience. Check out all the different tiers that we have and all the bonus content available. Maybe you choose one. Maybe you become a patron. And hey, you'll get the full Oscar episode plus so much more. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.